New Japan Pro Wrestling held their resurgence show over the weekend, and it was full of surprises. A new champion in Hiroshi Tanahashi and surprise appearances by Will Ospreay and the Gorillas of Destiny. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. On today's show, we're talking about resurgence, and especially the Will Ospreay angle that brings the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship to the United States and the American Strong brand. We also have headlines for the weekend. Travis Severance is in the house, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 17th, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news find you the truth. Good morning, Travis. Welcome to the Daily Wrestling News Show. Thanks. It's great to be here as always. Well, over the weekend, there were a bunch of shows, Triple Media and Resurgence, both on Saturday. And the subject of this morning's opening segment here is Resurgence because there was a bunch of stuff that happened during the show, including Will Ospreay making his return. He had just apparently been cleared. He'd been out for four months and he says, you know, John Moxley walked around not defending the championship for a year and New Japan never stripped them. They gave me two weeks and they stripped me of the title. I'm the real world's champion. He pulls the belt out of a bag and he says, I'm not going back to Japan. I'm here to stay. So we have Will Ospreay in the United States. He's going to be wrestling all these strong shows and he makes, he actually makes his return to the ring this weekend. He's facing Doug Williams back in the UK for the British heavyweight championship, but he's going to be here. He's going to be wrestling on strong and we're going to get a chance to see Will Ospreay in all these different shows that they have. Yeah. Obviously a real blue chipper. Yeah. It hard, it, easy to put him in a conversation for best wrestler in the world. At one point, we'll see how the injury impacts him and things like that. This is certainly the shot in the arm that we had been talking about for a couple of weeks that new Japan strong needed. We, I know we were excited. Jay white was over here. They do their tapings in LA, things like that. So we thought, okay, maybe Jay's going to come in and work some impact shows and who knows, maybe we'll see a crusade over to AEW and things like that. But this Will Ospreay showing up was completely out of nowhere. Didn't see it coming in, in any way. And uh, he came out swinging. And you know what? Even from a heel perspective, it's hard to argue with what he had to say. The Moxley situation was over a year with that title. This is the bigger unified belt with a allegedly he, they knew it was supposed to be four months. They take it off him in two weeks and the show must go on. And we've got Shingo Takage with the other belt. He makes some great points. And this is a great storyline for him to have to go into this. Come and get it for me. I never lost it. It was taken from me wrongfully. It's not dissimilar to some of the arguments we've seen Jay White have with the administration over New Japan in the past, but pretty exciting. Like yeah. Will Ospreay being stateside with all of the stuff going on. I can go back to our sit down at StarCast years ago in Chicago where we've got Kenny Omega and the elite out there. And the, they ask him, who's the New Japan guy you'd love to see over here? Who would you like to see? And Kenny Omega straight calls out Will Ospreay and he says, I want to see what this kid has. So dream match. Give me some Osprey. Give me some Omega. Give me Omega healed up a little bit and Osprey stateside. Who knows how long he's going to be here? Who knows where he's going to show up? Is he going to be in New Japan strong? Is that what he's going to do? Is he going to be back and forth with Rev Pro? I was interested to see how many people we saw come over, and we'll get into it a little bit more, from the show to stateside. Now, I think that has a lot to do with kind of the state of things in Japan. They want the talent over here. But the other interesting thing, and we can break this down as we get into the card a little bit more, the style and the presentation on some of the wrestlers were very different for the American crowd, specifically the way that Jay Light handled himself. 
Yeah, no, it's been that way ever since he basically arrived. So it is interesting to see how they get, what reaction they get from the American crowd versus the Japanese crowd. But you're right about Will Ospreay. This is a perfect angle for him. But what's exciting about it for us is like you mentioned, it was the shot in the arm. I guess he's not the legitimate world champion, but boy, is there a good argument to be made? He never lost the belt. He can carry that around. It feels like we have a world champion on the strong brand that we didn't have before. Like the strong title really wasn't a top title. The U S title really wasn't a top title, but man, you have that butterfly belt and Will Ospreay as the one holding it. He could defend that for the next six months. They do strong tapings one weekend a month. So they have tapings in Texas, they have tapings in Philadelphia, and then they have tapings in California. But by that point, we're in November. And then they have their next big show they called Battle in the Valley. That's November 13th. And Ishii's on the cover there. You got to imagine there's going to be a big Will Ospreay title defense on their show. So you have all these pieces they put together. The, they were having trouble selling tickets in Texas. They were having trouble selling tickets in Philadelphia. If people watch this show over the weekend, there should be no issues selling tickets after this. When you have Grills of Destiny on the show, you have Will Ospreay on the show. That brand is a whole lot stronger today than it was on Friday. Absolutely. And, and that's not to say that I didn't think that the New Japan Strong Faithful didn't show out. I thought their participation in their matches, good quality wrestling, and that's never been a knock. It's not that those guys can't go. It's where does the personality and where does the storyline come from? And the New Japan style, Japanese style of storytelling is very different from the Strong style. So this is inserting personalities, people on the mic, people to have issues with and in 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 a must see wrestler with a title that's hard to argue with with some stakes that could this could roll out through Wrestle Kingdom before we actually get a convergence of them it's interesting to see after a bunch of us were like why are they combining the IC belt with the heavyweight belt and making one unified and now we're back to two separate belts again but you got a big belt and a strong belt and a US belt that's technically on soil here if we see something else from them that, that it's a full lineup of all the belts that you need to build a bigger show and go from there. Now, one of the things that Osprey said, and I indicated it for just a second, is that he said he's not going back to Japan. He said there's a big tournament and he's not going to participate in the big tournament. So he said, he teased it out there. He said, I, was, I never lost the title and I heard there's a big tournament. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going back to Japan. I'm not going to enter the G1, which kicks off next month in September. But he said, I'm just going to be here with the world title. And if Shingo wants it, he can come get it. But it, it's, yeah, it's incredible when you think about the different storylines, because eventually these two guys are going to come to a head. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be at that California show, Battle of the Valley? That'll sell a lot of tickets. Is it, or is it going to be back at Wrestle Kingdom? If it's at Wrestle Kingdom, then you've got the G1 winner that's wrapped in there too. Plus whoever he defends he, the G1 winner, defects the briefcase against between the end of the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom, two-night event. It's been the last couple of years, so they need two title matches. It's already built in. You've, you've, all, you've already almost got it built in, right? The storyline tells itself. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the Japanese response to this is going to be and how this comes off for Shingo and how they decide to do it because that's a lot of American English-speaking talent that's over on this show that showed up and stuff. Is this Will... Is this potentially Will staying stateside, 
finishing out his New Japan deal and then looking to stay here as well? Is he going to establish residency? Is he going to look to move forward with this? Is this is he going to try the American side of wrestling? Because it's certainly we've seen a ton of people do it, whether it was Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, and here's the third in line that can go and things like that and be super successful. And obviously the money is there for those guys to do it. And not for nothing. If everything holds true, you've got Kenny Omega, you've got Brian Danielson, you've got CM Punk all sitting in AEW. So depending on how the cooperation goes, you put Will Ospreay in a match with any of those three other guys and it's lights out. Yeah. And Al Carl bringing up just to move the, the conversation over to the tag division a little bit, G.O.D., when do they get stay side? There's a lot of great matches for them here. 100%. G.O.D. is probably like the best tag team outside of AEW. WWE has some strong tag teams in the New Day and the Usos and things like that. But if you're looking at some major tag team outside of the two big national companies, it's G.O.D. Absolutely. Tato Tagaloa. Without a doubt, Haku's kids, Hikaleo's no joke either, that's there for support from time to time. That Definitely the most matches together with each other in the whole New Japan world. And man, they can chirp, they can go, they can wrestle up, they can wrestle down. We've seen it. We've seen them do it all. And there's so many strong tag teams right now that they could cooperate and they could get matches together against that it could be pretty crazy. Give me G.O.D. FTR. Give me G.O.D. Good Brothers, which is where it looks like we're headed sooner than later. And I'm interested to see, it does feel like what we're seeing is it's not NWO Wolfpack versus Black and White, because that was a schism of the top two guys breaking off and then creating their own. This is a generation one versus generation two. This is more about respect. This is more about who's the aggressor, who's on top, who's on bottom. Hey, respect us. You only have the position because of us. Hey, we're just as good or better than you. And we're going to prove it. So there's a lot of story to be told there. And there's so much bullet club just commingled and, and mished in, whether it's feuds or participation or former members or, or previous enemies that they have, that they can work with, that the story can bleed into kind of everywhere. So there, there's a lot of good opportunity there. So now you got Jay, you got G.O.D. That's a strong bullet club presence like real bullet club era people and you got elite that's a hell of a three-man team too by the way jay white god give me any three-man combination from anywhere else and and i'll put them in the ring against those guys and it'll be fun yeah and i what'll be interesting is what do they do with wrestle kingdom this year and what is the new japan of america involvement in that event and do they do this forbidden door stuff and let some of these other teams come in or wrestlers come in to wrestle on Wrestle Kingdom. So do you see some of these matches that you're talking about happen over in Japan? Do they happen at AEW Revolution or Full Gear or something like that? There's a lot of options. I think it's super exciting. And sadly for the WWE fans, they're the only ones on the outside of this, right? Like we've seen ROH, Impact, AEW, New Japan. I guaranteed we're going to see some MLW guys as well mixed in with this stuff. So Tom Lawler, every, everybody's writing their own stuff and they're doing their own things and they're moving forward and they're doing things together and they're, they're letting different people win on different shows and so on and so forth. We've got title changes that are happening on other people's TV products and things like that. So it really is one of those things where before the predictable was what happened. We've got belts changing all over the place and everybody's showing each other respect. As long as they stay cooperative, anything can happen. It makes it super exciting. Now, 
to the inundated fan that just wants to turn the TV on to one channel and pay attention to one thing, this variety is probably going to be overwhelming because it's like trying to keep track of characters on Game of Thrones for the first time. You've got 80 different people and that's just yeah. an AEW and you got another 80 coming from all the outside. Yeah. So being able to keep track of these characters and stuff like that and why is this guy important and that guy important and stuff like that, you'll get familiarized with them. And after you see their body work, you'll see the reason why these people wanted to bring these talents in to introduce them to that audience because it's good for their product. All right. And let's continue with the forbidden door discussion because Hiroshi Tanahashi won the IWGP United States Championship over Lance Archer. It was the classic Tanahashi match where he got his butt literally kicked right until the end. Aces high and high fly flow twice. And he got the win. John Moxley sitting at ringside because that's that used to be his belt for a long time. Probably the longest reigning champion. Definitely the longest reigning champion without a defense. Sure. The lost grace point. So now Tanahashi is the guy that Moxley called out. Hashi's walking around with Moxley's old bell. Lance Archer gave Tanahashi respect at the end of the match. Lance Archer wants Tanahashi in an AEW ring. He even cut that promo after the match, said, please come to AEW and don't try to wrestle anybody else before you wrestle me. So there's going to be a line at the door where Tanahashi walks in of people that want to fight him. Yeah, absolutely. And those not familiar with Tanahashi, he is the Shawn Michaels, the Elvis of New Japan wrestling. And he's an older guy. He's in great shape. He had a hell of a match against Lance Archer. Poor Lance Archer had the title for a hiccup again. Um, and it was a surprise win. And I'll tell you, the people that are going to line up to want to face Tanahashi at this point in his career versus what we see with the reverence and respect for Yuji Nagata, even though he can still put on a nice match, Tanahashi can still go and use the ropes and things like that. So there's going to be a ton of people that are going to want to line up to take licks. And it doesn't even matter whether they win or lose. They just want to get in the ring against this guy and say, you know what? One time I ran with Tanahashi. So they're going to show out during those matches because the last thing they want to do, have a garbage match against Tanahashi. You might only get one shot. That's right. That's right. All right. That said, the only other thing we didn't talk about really is the Ishii Moose match. And here you got Ishii, who was all of five foot three. And you got Moose, who is a giant. And and Ishii, there was no bills for the match. That's what that's what's crazy is just all of a sudden this match is on the card and we're like, oh, holy crap, they're bringing Ishii over from Japan. Oh my gosh, Moose is just gonna jump in here and wrestle against Ishii. There's no build for the match. You get the match. It was an excellent match. And Ishii won in the end. Yeah, very surprised. Like when you see Ishii in a new Japan ring usually he's decent size or average size or looks hulking his nickname is stone pitbull moose is a gargadon he's just gigantic and he no sold a bunch of the power moves that ishii did at the beginning of the match ishii wears him down it, it just two bulls going at it one one with literally a pitbull attitude and the other one that was just a giant jacked up bull uh, uh, just one of the better moose matches that i've ever seen I was surprised. Ishii hitting the brain buster on Moose was a sight. I didn't think that was going to happen. He went up once and didn't get him. And, and then he went up the second time and got him. I should be in Moose. Yeah. I, he just, but the guy can just, he just wrestles. He, it, it, I enjoy him the way that I enjoy Shingo Takagi. And it's hard to have a match where it doesn't look incredible because they have such impactful moves and their things look strong and they look like they're hurting each other and stuff. So just a really good match. And then we have Ishii who comes out at the end of the Jay White, David Finley match and growls a little bit at Jay White. And, and it looks like they were, we're headed back there. 
Ishii, long time never open champions, held the belt a couple of times and stuff. So we'll probably go back to that match after this if things go the way that it looked like they were setting it up on that. And November 13th is their next major show, Battle in the Valley. Ishii's on the card. So we're probably headed that way for the never open weight championship. Now, before we get into SummerSlam, because we have a couple of things to talk about there, Al Carl has been patiently sitting in the back, being the New Japan matchmaker. He's got all of Wrestle Kingdom figured out based on our discussion alone. Perfect. So here's what we've got a United States championship match that he's calling right now. It's going to be Tanahashi versus Moxley versus Archer versus Daniel Bryan. It'd be weird for New Japan to do a four-way match. They're not really big into that. They've been doing a lot of that stuff with the, with the Yano and stuff, but okay. So uh, there you go. Daniel Bryan's in that match. Let's move on to the, the tag match. We've got G.O.D. versus the Good Brothers versus FTR versus Daniel Bryan at Wrestle Kingdom. That makes Just sense. by himself. Daniel Bryan's in there. Yes. I like and it. That in our world championship match at Wrestle Kingdom, he's calling yeah. it now. It's, uh, I'm not sure if this is night one or night two, but we've got Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay versus the J1 winner versus Daniel Bryan at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, in a ladder match, I would assume. That's definitely night two or Rampo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the opener. It's the opener. Okay. That being said, let's put a pin in our new Japan discussion. I still got one more topic that maybe we'll cover in the, in the next section, but SummerSlam is coming, uh, this weekend. So this is Travis, this is your go home show, so to speak for SummerSlam, but you'll get a chance to talk about SummerSlam again this weekend at 3 PM, the SummerSlam special hosted by Al Carl from the essential wrestling podcast, 3 PM on all the Eastern observer outlets. We did get two new matches for SummerSlam last night. They're matches that we've seen coming for a long time. AJ Styles and Amos versus RK Bro and Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie. Those matches were added. Now, the one match that's on the card that I think might be in a little bit of jeopardy is Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. And this is somewhat speculation on my part, but it's based in some facts that we don't have a lot of information about. Sasha and Bianca both missed multiple live events over the weekend due to unforeseen circumstances. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't really feel like a great sign for uh, this coming weekend. So we'll have to see what happens as we get closer. Yeah, it's too bad. Yep. So save your SummerSlam predictions for this Saturday, but everybody tune in so that you can find out who we think will win the nice matches. And with that, Travis, I'll see you in a minute and a half. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out BodySlamClothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20, and all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to BodySlamClothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Monday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Monday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeCani, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. 
and the Body Slam Brigade newsletter. Currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday, it consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at bodyslambrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. Okay, into the headlines portion of the show. And I already mentioned in the last segment that G1 Climax kicks off September 18th, runs into October before we get to the finals. Travis, we don't know any of the people that are involved, but the tournament this year is really interesting when you've got the Forbidden Door and all that stuff. If we weren't in COVID times and there was all these restrictions about quarantining in Japan, boy, do I think this would be wide open. Yeah, I agree. I'm interested to see if we see some um, U.S. date. They're all in Japan. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense with the quarantining that Japan, New Japan requires. Okay, so Christian won the Impact World Championship on Friday, and now he's scheduled to face the number one contender for the Impact Championship at Emergence. It's Brian Myers. Brian Myers is going to be wrestling Christian at Emergence. Special start time of 7 p.m. So that, that way it can conclude before Rampage starts this Friday, which was smart on their part, considering everybody is going to be watching Rampage on Friday. So I, I've taken some weeks off of Impact, if I'm being honest. It was just last Myers. Week. Brian Myers is where we're headed. So last week they had a battle pitch. royal. Sure. So last week they had a battle royal to determine the number one contender. And it's Brian Brian Myers against Christian Cage. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's interesting is I don't know when the whole Christian Cage thing came together and if it was just perfect timing because there's nothing interesting about Brian Myers. Okay. But hang on. The the story I think is in the Christian Cage thing, because obviously when they, whenever they made the call that they're going to put Christian in this main event at all out. They needed to give him something to improve that match, to make it sure. more interesting. So he gets a win over Kenny Omega. That makes it interesting. But the problem when you're dealing with the Impact World Championship is that they tape so far in advance mm-hmm. that how can they have to be careful how they do that? Well, it just so happened that Impact finished up all their tape on Thursday last week. Wow. So it was perfect storm that they could go change the champion and then Christian could go do the Impact tapings this weekend to take you another month around, or at least depending on how they played it out. I don't know if the all out match with Omega is going to be title for title, but Omega couldn't be at those tapings because he had to go to Mexico. The right. He was a triple A. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, obviously smart planning on their part. And Scott Demore obviously is, has seen Christian with that title before a great choice, great match, phenomenal, but man, you're going to, if it was a non pay-per-view super show match okay give me well, that prayers it's not a pay-per-view it is okay a, you know impact plus special the 999 uh, one okay sure yeah so you get christian comes in he's probably he's gonna get the win over brian myers maybe it'll, maybe it'll make brian myers look like a million bucks but it's not one that you would think would get that get that spot now jeff johnson chiming in christian has never had that title before it's true christian oh, that's sure with the nwa yep. champion or nwa tna champion and then he was the last of that like string. And then Kurt Angle was the first TNA champion. So, so fair point, 
that he hasn't been that champion, but he's been the champion of that organization in one of their many top guys, many situations. So anyway, Christian versus Brian Myers. Yeah. It's not one that would, it's going to sell a whole bunch of subscriptions. It's not one that would sell a whole bunch of pay-per-view buys, but he's, Hey, he's good. He's fine. He's going to get a win over Brian Myers this Friday, which will send him into all out and it'll maybe give Brian Myers a little bit of shine, which he could use if they're going to try to push him into that type of position. Correct. Okay. So what's this do to the world championship match at all out? Is it going to be title for title? You think? I don't know. It's weird, right? Like you would think that because he law because he beat Kenny, there's no chance that he wins against all out. However, AEW does some non-predictable stuff. We could yeah. see title for title. We could see some must watch TV folks. It's nice <laughs> to have that back for wrestling. Yes. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't know what they're going to do, what the plans are. It's exciting, but we were, t- we spent the whole first 20 minutes of the show talking about new Japan resurgence. Triple A had a major show. It was their bound for glory. Their WrestleMania this past weekend, Ric Flair was on the show. Ric Flair, who was released from WWE like a week ago. Apparently Ric Flair gets no non-competes. He's an infidelity blew right through it and said, I don't care. Ric Flair comes out. He accompanies Andrade to the ring. Makes me feel like that family is tighter, is pretty tight in terms of Andrade is Charlotte's fiance, unless they got buried on Saturday too. I, not that I heard that, I think, but Ric Flair, he's accompanying Andrade. We may see him in a W accompanying Andrade. It certainly looks that way. That is a, a, a and Rick's not dumb. That is a massive rub that tells you how he feels about that guy as a man and going out and making the trip to Mexico and doing that arena and getting out of the WWE thing to boost his profile. That's a big deal. So like future forward, hard for me not to think that we are going to see Charlotte Flair in an AEW ring at some point. It's it's certainly possible. She went to Mexico, which is why she missed the Charlotte day that they had. WWE had a house show in Charlotte over the weekend and Charlotte did not appear. It's a lot of Charlotte's for one sentence, but Charlotte Flair was advertised heavily for the Charlotte, North Carolina house show. And she didn't go because she had previously planned four months to go to Triple Mania because at one point the storytelling that AAA was telling was that Andrade was going to be winning that championship there. So it would have been a real big deal to have Flair there. And of course to have Charlotte not on screen, but. There are other ways. Otherwise, Jeff Johnson chiming in, and I have not heard this, but Jeff Johnson mentioned Flair paid his own transportation, didn't get an appearance fee. So they're speculating that it has to do with the wording of his not compete clause. I'm just assuming he didn't have one, to be completely honest. The other thing that happened on that show, Deanna Peraza won the Reynas the Reynas champion. So now she is a double champion. Yeah, it's strange to me that they've got both their top titles for their genders going to people that are working off of that program, but AAA doesn't run a lot. So I guess they, those titles being dragged to the ring and on TV time has got to boost the brand to a degree. So I, I would have been more surprised if it had gone the other way, but double title and double title seems a little weird, but you know, the show on itself, the clips that I saw and stuff like that looked like a lot of fun and that's AAA's thing. Yeah. I did manage to catch most of the AAA show actually good. I, the whole show, except for the last match I watched, it was a fun, it was a fun night. Um, Jeff Johnson also has another point here about the bell collector. And I do have some information about this. Jeff says he doesn't think the bell collector is the story that AEW is telling. It's the story the fans think is being told. Kenny Omega did 
comment publicly about this. And he said the bell collector thing was something that they stumbled into. Mm-hmm. So they had a storyline and it just fitted to it. So yeah, I'm not concerned whether they go that way or not. It's a good way to talk about it and stuff like that. And it's certainly something that Don said, as soon as he got the other title, like, how do you not talk about it? You got a guy coming out exactly. with four titles and you don't say that he's collecting belts. He certainly stumbled across a lot of championship wins. That's true. And how's this for a stable in AW of the future? Tessa Blanchard, Charlotte Flair, Brock Anderson, and Wyndham Rotunda. It's interesting. That's a four. That's a different look at the four horsemen for sure. So all of them being legacies. A lot of wrestling DNA there. Yeah. All right. Some other things to go through. Uh, We were talking about Rampage with Christian's big win. Rampage debuts with a huge rating in the United States of 740,000 viewers. To put that in perspective, Dynamite did 970,000 last week. So it was about three quarters of the Dynamite audience, which is enormous. NXT did 751. So it was just a little shy of 11K of NXT on a Friday night. And then that was NXT's best rating since May. Really good start. This week should be no different when they've got the big, all the stuff circulating about CM Punk. And then you're going to go into week after week of this. So if AW can string together like four or five weeks of these killer shows, we've got an all out go home coming up as well in a sold out Chicago. So if they can continue this momentum and they make that 10 o'clock slot successful, that's amazing. Nobody deserves to do a good rating in that slot. Get themselves over that bump. I think that Chicago show we're going to be able to see live is going to be the first time that they raw num- they go over raw on overall viewers. The dynamite show. That dynamite show before all out. It's it is pr- it's pretty that's pretty bold. Does the does Raw have a Monday night football game now? Is that too early? I don't know. Preseason started, so maybe. Yeah. If there's a Monday night football game and Dynamite continues to go up, they did slide slap back down this past week. They were up at around one one. If they continue to trend up, you need to see Raw trend down and Dynamite trend up in order for that to happen. So we shall see. Talking about another 83 weeks. Maybe let's not put a cap on the 83. Fair enough. Okay. So Rapongi 3K, that's Show and Yo from New Japan, the IWGP junior tag champions time after time, not currently, but they are no more. Show, after seven or nine years or something, he turned on Yo at a, the most recent show and gave him the old package pile driver and Sinara, Sayonara, I don't need you anymore. So, yep. Here Goodbye. You We'll see where that goes to in the future. But both these guys have really strong singles runs recently. When one was injured, the other one was running mm-hmm. challenging for the singles title. Neither had won it. So this makes sense. Split them up and go for a dedicated run with one of them. Yep. So WWE released yesterday 30 dates and cities for their programming from now until the end of the year. The big thing here is that they announced Survivor Series is November 21st in Brooklyn at Barclays. So that is the big announcement. Tons of rumors and speculation about The Rock being there. So it could be a huge show. Don't know. Yeah, that will be a surprise, I'm sure, if that's what happens. So, And then while not announced, Fightful reported that St. Louis is the front runner for the Royal Rumble. And there is talk there about not really knowing what the date is, whether that's going to be a late January, as has been tradition or if it'll slide into February this year. But Royal Rumble appears to be St. Louis, at least the home, home of Randy Orton. So things could get interesting there. 
You don't typically win in your home city, so it'll probably be not in WWE. The 29th elimination of the Royal Rumble. Yes. Sad news. It's been a while since we had a show, but sad news with Dominic Danucci passing away. He's, of course, the, um, probably to our generation, he's most well-known as the person who trained McFoley. McFoley always talks and talked about getting in his, I think his Chevy Nova or something and driving, sleeping in the back seat of the car and on his way to train with Dominic Danucci. So mm-hmm. to us, but he's also the trainer of Shane Douglas and others. So he's well credentialed in that respect, but loved, well-regarded in upstate New York, a lot yeah. of experience up Rochester, Buffalo area. And he was a top guy in California in the Ray Stevens era. And he was a top guy in Australia, believe it or not. So, but he settled down in Pittsburgh. He was really good friends with Bruno San Martino. <laughs> and so he was always in good company, but he was maybe this is according to Dave Meltzer, one of the, the, the second or third oldest living wrestlers when he passed away. Wow. There's something. Okay. Some NXT news on 823 and 824. That is the Monday and the Tuesday after takeover. They're going to be taping three episodes of NXT to air on 824, 831, and 97. Indicating we've been talking about NXT taking a shift and going back to the way things used to be. And they used to tape similar to Impact big batches of television and they would release it, slow roll it out. It was really good for the program because it required them to plan in advance. They couldn't hot shot anything. So from that perspective, it was really good, but to see it kind of slide back into that taped format is a little sad, but when you look at it objectively though, sometimes the programming is way better when it's pre-taped like this. So, oh, I, I think the production and stuff like that and the stories will ring more true for sure, because you have to have a plan for that. But boy, this feels very much like stick a fork in this product. You're talking about running taped TV on live main cable channels for a, a sports entertainment. And it's three weeks in a row. Jeff Johnson bringing up a good point. Do we think WWE is preparing USA to not renew the contract? I, I, I would say so. I think we're it, going back to the network with NXT. It feels like it. Or Peacock. Don't forget that. Sure, the cock. Goes back to Peacock. It's still the network, right? It's, NBC still has that contract. So mm-hmm. it could be, you know, that if that were to happen, the spin on the story would be exclusively on Peacock. That's yep. where you can catch it. That's the only place and. They'll talk about that as being a big thing for Peacock, even if they don't get the USA money anymore. But it's certainly a good get for Peacock if that's the way that it goes. Now, the other side of it is though, I've not heard anybody talk about that. It's certainly like when we look at that situation, we put all these different pit points and stuff together. Yeah, it's a possibility. It feels like that, but I haven't heard that anywhere yet. So this is the only thing that I would say. If they're looking at budget cuts and they're looking at restructuring and they're looking at changing contracts and looking at talent and reconfiguring this brand and stuff like that, can you imagine a time where they decide to reverse course on this and then go back to the way that was before? Because that's the part that I'm having the hardest time getting my head around. I don't well, think that's we're what we have live. We're going back to live shows. I think we're going to stay taped for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's possible. Then and they talked about reversing course on NXT. That has been all the talk of the last few weeks since they did those 13 releases on a Friday night during SmackDown. That's been the talk. They're going back to the way things were. And that was the way things were. And it's a much more cost-efficient model. So it's very possible. And Jeff says, no one's talking about it, but it's maybe the right call from USA as not as the rating draw they thought. Better than anything else, they were doing that slot though. So sure. it's just a matter of 
cost benefit analysis. Are they paying too much for that rating or not? Also pertaining to those NXT releases, good news on this front of Alex Zane, which is the former Ari Sterling and Jake Atlas both have their post WWE appearances lined up. They're going to be on the next PWG show and those shows are killer. So awesome. Um, and, and they're both veterans of that brand and that, uh, company. So glad to see them back there. And I think you won't be able to check those shows out live unless you live in proximity to PWG because they don't do a stream and everything. You have to wait till the DVDs come out like a year later, but if you have a chance to check those out when they do, I'm sure those matches are going to be off the charts because both those guys can go. And I don't think we even scratched the surface of what they can do in WWE. I agree. Braun Strowman and Buddy Murphy, they both sent out tweets yesterday. They've got about 14 days left on their non-compete. That means they should be available around August 30th. So we'll so, see what happens for that, whether they show back up on WWE or whether they get, uh, Braun Strowman is one that we've been talking about, maybe get picked back up by WWE. Buddy Murphy, I think his options are wide open. The interesting part about the 830 is it's a week before a certain week in Chicago. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I don't know that they have a casino, anything in the men's division. They don't have a, they, we don't really have a card for all out yet. So once we get a card, we can start speculating. Really things. Yeah. Things. We can start speculating. <laughs> Having some fun with that. All right. So NXT tonight, we do have Samoa Joe with Karrion Cross in a face-to-face situation. MSK versus Imperium tag titles, Kushida versus Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight Championship, Carmelo Hayes versus Duke Hudson in the breakout tournament should be a very strong episode of NXT. It is their go hold for this weekend's takeover. So should be very strong. AEW tomorrow, Travis Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks for the tag titles. That's going to be a very strong match. Got MJF versus Chris Jericho in the final labor. Dan Lambert will be on the show, so he's going to bring in some MMA guys. Darby Allen and Sting versus 2.0. And this is the first time Sting's been on TNT television in 20 years. TNT sent out a, re- a press release about that. It's a big deal to some people. Sean Spears versus Sammy Guevara and a major announcement from Sammy Guevara, which I hope is Sammy Guevara challenging for the TNT championship. Yeah, that would be very cool. I don't know, man. Like it, AEW programming now is starting to go back to give me the, like the WCW chills. Like the nostalgia of seeing Sting and Darby in the rafters was just a really cool take me back to like when I was really juiced on wrestling moment and the way that they've been handling stuff and the writing and the programming has just been really top notch. So it's just a great place to be after getting aboard this train early on and wanting to, you know, ride the whole thing and seeing this thing come to fruition and being enjoyable and stuff. And even when they miss it's not awful. So pretty fortunate. Now, this is a show within a show comment, but Al Carl heard a rumor going around that Charlotte Flair, Tessa Blanchard, Brock Anderson, and Wyndham Rotunda are forming the new horseman in AEW. Is this true? <laughs> there has been some internet speculation. We haven't gotten any confirmation or anything from that, but it's certainly a possibility along the lines of a Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, AEW championship match at the next uh, revolution. <laughs> Jeff Johnson pointing out that it feels like Dynamite is watching a show from the Monday night uh, wrestling show in the 90s. Yeah, so it's, it is comparable. You do feel that buzz every single week. So You, you know, it is, it is and it isn't, right? I think there was a time when WCW, and I don't want to go too long on this, but WCW got into this, they did get into a formulaic nature with the NWO and NWO taking things over. So while I can agree with the idea that 
AEW approaches this with a variety and a long storytell format, I think their storytelling length is actually better than what WCW's was. Their finishes are definitely better than what WCW's were. And they haven't played anything out and they've got a big roster and we don't see a ton of rematches or a ton of the same. So it's great from a variety perspective. I think that's the big thing that WCW capitalized during their run. They had a whole bunch of stuff going on. Now, the difference is they didn't really lean into the cruiserweights the way they should have, which is why all of them exited and went over WWE and they took that shine away from them. So it's similar in that it has a more edgy feel, certainly than some of the overproduced stuff that we see on WWE. But I think the intelligence of the storytelling is a lot longer and we don't have the gimmicky crap that we saw from Kevin Sullivan during that time. Absolutely. And that's what he meant. It's the feel. Correct. Yep. Spot on, Jeff. Agree with you a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. When you had that in the nineties, there was a point in time and it wasn't the whole time of the Monday night war, but there was a point in time where you got to Monday night at eight o'clock or nine o'clock and it was a debate in your head of which show you were going to watch. We're going to be doing the channel flipping and, and it's not even that sometimes it was, am I going to watch this segment or this segment? Because you don't have that because there's not the competition, but the both products were so hot. That was a decision you were forced into making every single week. WWE really hot with Austin and the NWO and everything with, with WCW and the cruiserweights and the first hour and stuff. It was good storytelling in both companies. And that's, that is what you're getting with the AEW on Wednesdays. Not to oh, yeah. It would be super interesting for me if they decided that they were going to run Rampage back one hour. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I think they should establish themselves and then do that. But Jeff says they didn't have Monday Wars because in Canada, Nitro was on Tuesday. That's fair. There's good and bad there. The good is the good is you didn't have to make the choice. The bad is you probably knew what was happening. So mm, yep. uh, it's a little easier to avoid spoilers in the nineties than it is for sure. But yeah. Anyway, Travis, it was been a double episode of the daily wrestling news show. Yeah, no, we went way long today for sure. So, I didn't have talk. an episode yesterday because I had a scheduling snafu with the guest that was there but tomorrow on the show Nelio Como Costa from CCW will be making his return first time since May I think that he'll be on the show I'm going to ask him about the Miami chair shortage they had in May when they sold more tickets than they had chairs for so ask him about what he's going to do with Kylan King I'm interested to see that I do plan on asking at some of the situation she was there for a recent uh, training session so I'll definitely mm. ask about that a good gap for him. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. For Travis, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time tomorrow.